Jesus Christ brought our acceptance of God or by God of us when the Pharisees hated and yelled and, and uh, created a stir in the crowd to tell him, crucify him, crucify him. Jesus overcame that by his great love for us. And when he looked completely humiliated, they were being stripped naked and beaten and, and mutilated and, and scorned and mocked and, and all of those. When he looked completely humiliated, we saw more fully the incredible glory of our Savior and our God. Amen. His suffering bought our healing and his followers' sorrow turned to joy. And I'm telling you this morning, our sorrow too, to, too turns to joy on this day that we celebrate. Amen. I want to encourage you this morning, enjoy your time together. You've all got plans, right, probably this afternoon. I was talking to poor Caitlin, actually has to work. But anyway, we're going to call our boss later and talk to him, see what we can do. But uh, <laughs> anyway, the most of you probably have plans this afternoon to spend time with your family. Listen, enjoy that. Enjoy, make memories together, enjoy your time together, rejoice together, take joy in it. Um, this is a, a day that we, that we celebrate really truly. And um, I wanted to remind you just to, as we're jumping into the sermon this morning is that oftentimes in times of sorrow, God brings about great joy. You with me? And we, we see that obviously that, that happens here with the, uh, with the crucifixion of Christ and his subsequent resurrection. But I want to tell you just a quick story before we go on. Um, Rebecca was born about 14 years ago, um, about a, a month ago, 14 years ago. And, um, uh, I remember, um, Jessica was about, uh, let me think, she'd have been about 18 months at that time, a year and a half, or, huh? What I, I'm sorry, 15 years ago. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, goodness. I don't know. Who's Rebecca? Yeah. Rebecca was born about 15 years ago, a month ago. And, um, it just so happened that, yeah, I don't know my own children's age. How about that? That's funny. I sh- you know, I just have on here story, you know, and anyway, I, you know, I should think to take more notes. Um, Rebecca, about 15 years ago, was born, and she spent about a month, she was about two months early and spent about a month in the pediatric ICU uh, and uh, neonatal ICU, I should say, I guess. Um, anyway, there's a really horrible time for Brent and I. We, uh, we, you know, I don't know if it, any of you have been there, you see that there are some kids that don't make it out of there. It's a scary it's a scary place. And Brenda and I were spending as much time there as we could. And, and uh, Brenda, of course, was feeding Rebecca. And all the same time, we had a, a little year-and-a-half-old uh, uh, daughter, too, who was uh, spending a lot of time with Grandma and Grandpa. Well, anyway, Easter rolled around, and we didn't think anything about it. We didn't really think about it being Easter. And so my mom and dad took Jessica in the front yard, and they hid some. All they had in the house was golf balls. And so... <laughs> My mom and dad hid golf balls and called it hunting Easter balls and took, and of course, Jessica was only a year and a half, uh, a, a year and a half old, and so she didn't know any better, but they collected, they, they hunted Easter balls on Easter, and to this day, when we pass by a golf course, Jessica gets a little, a little misty-eyed about, uh, about Easter balls. But... Um, we tell that story, we like to laugh about it, we talk about it, we just talked about it this week, and, and it's a great thing. But um, it is true that the Lord brings joy even in times of sorrow, amen? And, and not only do we see that in the Scriptures, but you see that in your own life, true. Um, in, the greatest, in the greatest sorrow that you go through, God is always there, and we are very bad at seeing what He's doing at the time, but He's often working behind the scenes to bring about something glorious into something that we see as something really horrible or really tragic, Amen. It is the nature of our God. He loves to do that kind of stuff. Um, but as we're talking about joy this morning, I wanted to tell you there's this really strange scripture in Hebrews chapter 12 uh, in verse 2, and it says this. 
He's basically, the, the writer of Hebrews is basically telling his writers, or his readers, he's the writer, they're the reader. Um, he's telling his readers, stick with it, don't give up, persevere, let your faith persevere. And they're going through horrible persecution at the time where they were being outcast from their community, they were being um, uh, persecuted by their government. But he tells them to, to press on, he tells them to hold on to their faith. And then in chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, he tells them to think about Jesus, about all that Jesus did. Listen to what he says. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's a beautiful term, isn't it? Who initiated, authored our faith? Jesus did. You didn't invent this, right? Jesus did. And who's going to perfect it one day? The Lord Jesus is, so that it's not 100% dependent on me. Amen. Thank God, right? Okay, yes. Uh, he's going to perfect it. Uh, who for the joy, listen to what he says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I want to I want you to, I want to pause there for just a moment and, and, uh, and, look at this, and look at this with you. For the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross was a lot for Jesus to endure. True. It, who, you know, I talk about this, I guess, every Easter, but when you saw the Passion of the Christ movie, when I saw it, I remember thinking, he could barely do it. He could barely stand up under what he was called to do um, and in his suffering, true. And the punishment for our sin is profound. Um, if you've seen the movie, if you've been in the scriptures and you read it, the, the punishment for our sin was profound. And that one man carried all of that is, um, is, is humbling, is uh, sobering, isn't it? That one man carried the punishment for the sin of all of mankind, for all who would follow him. But but it says, the writer of Hebrews says, is that for joy, Jesus endured it all. So my question for you this morning, what was the joy, what was the joy that, that kept Jesus enduring and persevering through the suffering of the cross? What was the joy that he could look past and somehow endured the cross and, and allowed himself to go and to be crucified there on Calvary one day how was it that he was able to endure it? It was through joy, the writer of Hebrews says, and we're going to look into that this morning. I want to suggest to you three things, and then we're really only going to talk about the last one, but why, what was the joy set before Jesus that helped him endure the cross? Just the, the, I'm going to share three things with you that are possibilities, I think. First, in completing his work on the cross, Jesus fulfilled the will of his Father. You remember in John chapter 4 when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well and he was hungry and the disciples left, came back with food and, and uh, Jesus says, I, I, um, um, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and what? And to complete the work, right? It was Jesus' desire to complete the, the, the will of his father and for Jesus, his will was for him to suffer on our behalf. And he completed that work. I think that brought Jesus joy. The second thing is, when Jesus finished his work on the cross, he returned to his Father in glory. Listen to what it says at the end of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If any of you know anything, if you remember any sermons in the past where the, the, the right hand of the throne of the God, the right hand of the king was a place of privilege. It was a place of blessing. And the Bible says that Jesus, when he had finished his work on earth, he took the place of honor at his father's table. That's a beautiful thing. And he got to be re, re, um, uh, reconnected to his father, got to return to glory. But then this third thing is the thing I'd really like to talk to you about today. What was the joy set before Jesus that, that helped him to endure the cross was this, is that Jesus' work on the cross brought many sons to glory. Brought many sons to glory. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10 says, 
In bringing many sons to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the author of their salvation perfect through suffering. But uh, the beginning of that phrase is a beautiful thing, is that in bringing many sons to glory. He was purchasing, in enduring the cross, Jesus was purchasing many sons, many people, many men and women for his Father. And he was purchasing, the, purchasing them for glory and giving up his life uh, that you and I could be free from the guilt and the shame of sin forever. Uh, that's what he was doing, and I believe what brought him joy as he endured the cross. And let me say this. Jesus endured the cross with joy because he loved you. Let me say that again. Jesus endured the cross with joy because he loved you. Amen? The, the, the scriptures are very clear on what God's motivation was in sending Jesus Christ. What does it say in John 3.16? You all know it. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Right? God so loved the world, he, got, he gave his only son. Now, let me, let, me, let me stop here for a minute because we need to spend some time here this morning because you and I have a hard time believing this because there is no other love like this in the world. Right? There is no other love like this in the world because... He knew that you would be messy. He knew that your life would look like a train wreck. And he still loved you. And he still gave himself for you. He still sent his son for you that you might know what it was like to be freed from the the guilt and the shame of your sin. Because he took on all of that punishment himself on the cross and took it away. And there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. He knew that you would be broken. He knew that your life would be broken. He knew that you were sinful. He knew that you had sinful thoughts. He knew you had sinful and selfish actions. And he demonstrated his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us, Paul wrote in Romans chapter 5. Let me say something else that Matt Chandler likes to say, is that God is not in love with some future version of you, right? He's not like that, um, that hopeful bride who marries a man thinking, I'll change him, right? It's not like that. I, don't really, I like him today, but maybe one day he'll be worth loving. It wasn't like that, right, with you, with, with God. He looked at you and he saw you and I where we were, and he loved us where we were. He's not waiting and hoping that one day we'll be worthwhile loving. He loved us where we were. He loved us and he gave his son for us that we might be uh, reconciled to him. Um, this is... This is this is, I think, the most important thing that we do here on earth is that we have to wrestle with this truth, is that God loves us and he gave his son for us. And the question is, is what do you do with that? Do you, do you go on with your life and act like it didn't happen? Do you go on and say, I can't believe it. I can't believe that's true. I, I, I didn't grow up that way. I, I, I've never been able to accept that. I've been, I've been messed up. I've made mistakes. Um, all my life has just been a failure, one failure after another. Um, I see my sin and I can't believe that God could still love me. I think that's the biggest truth that you and I have to wrestle with in this life. And I want to tell you this morning that the Gospels declare it is true. He loved us so much that he endured the cross with joy to bring you back to the Father and reconcile the relationship that was broken because of your sin and my sin. Amen. Carl Barth was a famous 19th century Swiss theologian, 
thinker and an incredibly prolific writer, amazing, amazing writer, writes so many books, Profe was a professor at several leading European re re universities and really shaped the study of the way that we study theology today. But anyway, not that any of you care about any of that. But anyway, he came to America once he, and, and he was asked by a reporter to summarize all of his extensive writings. He had written 12 huge volumes on Christian doctrine, on, on Christian dogma, and he asked him to summarize it all, which I don't know sounds a little bit lazy to me, but, you know, he was a reporter. Sorry, shouldn't have said that. Okay. Um, and, yeah, the symbol crash. Okay. Um, and he asked him, you know, uh, and so he's asking him to really to summarize his writings was to summarize all of his theological, all of the thought that he'd put into all of these books and the understanding of Christianity from all of his life and all of these writings that he'd done. And he thought for a moment about all the things that he'd written. And to summarize them all, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That is the summary of my understanding of the gospel. Yeah, it's profound. But listen, you and I need to decide, and we have to decide for ourselves, what are you going to do with that truth? Jesus loves you, and he sent his son to take all of the punishment that you and I deserved, and he took it all on himself so that you could be freed from them if you'll follow him, if you'll commit your life to him, if by faith that you will follow him and believe in what he's done for you. And listen, no one else can do that here for you. That is an individual decision. That is something that you have to decide for yourself. Amen? But listen, if you do, when you do, when you decide to act on that truth, you have the ability to be freed from the sin and the shame and the guilt that you lived in before. Amen? Amen. Tell you what I'd like to do here. We're gonna we're gonna enjoy the Lord's Supper here in just a moment. But um, what I'd like to ask you to do is just to bow your heads for a moment. And I'm gonna read Psalm 32 that talks about what a blessing it is, what a beautiful, uh, good thing it is to have your sins taken away and your sins covered. And uh, then I'm gonna give a brief invitation. I'm gonna ask several of you to come up and uh, and greet anyone who might come here. Tim and and Clay and Jennifer and uh, Scott, if you guys can come up here in just a moment, we're gonna. Uh, ask for anyone who'd like to come up uh, for you guys to pray with them. Would you, would you just bow your heads and just listen to what this says? Psalm 32 says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Listen to what it says were the effects of sin. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Here the, the psalmist is explaining the, what it's like when I hid sin, when I kept it to myself. I was like wasting away. And it was like I was being hard-pressed by God, carrying the weight of that sin and guilt and shame. But listen to what it says. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And listen what it says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. I tell you this morning that the Lord Jesus offers that to anyone, even today, for the great work that he did on the cross, that the joy that he endured the cross for is that same joy is available for you today, that he endured the cross for the joy of bringing many sons to glory. He makes the same invitations today. Will you come to me? Will you let me take your sin? Will you let me... Uh, help you walk in forgiveness? Can I reconcile you back to the Father? Are you ready to be freed from that oppression of the guilt and the shame? Are you ready to be freed from that? 
I want to ask you that this morning. If, if that's the place where you are this morning, would you come to, to the front and just visit with me or one of the other folks will be standing with me? And we're just going to pray for you that, that, the, that the Lord would forgive you and do all that he said in the scriptures that he would do. But would you do that now? Ladies and gentlemen, would you come up? Uh, Jamie, would you guys come forward? And if, if you'd like to do that this morning, we want to be, uh, we want to be here to pray with you.